Traveling gives you perspective. You see how other people live around the world, touching all these different cultures and trying all these new foods and hearing all these beautiful languages. Just a little bit of perspective can completely change and give you that aha moment. Hey, listeners. In today's episode, we're sharing an interview with the ultimate female entrepreneur, digital pioneer and ultimate creator, Michelle Fawn. If she's not already your beauty bestie, then you may know Michelle as one of the original YouTube influencers. Her YouTube channel has received over 1 billion views, making her one of the most watched talents in the digital space. Michelle has built and launched multiple multi-million dollar businesses, including Ipsy, M Cosmetics, and Thematic, a free marketplace that enables creators to find and use songs from real artists in their videos. She's been featured on Forbes 30 Under 30, Inc.'s 30 Under 30 Coolest Entrepreneurs, and Fast Company's Most Creative People in Business. In today's conversation with Neha, Michelle shares her journey into entrepreneurship, surviving burnout, the importance of recharging, gaining clarity through travel, and the importance of treating people with respect. This episode was recorded live in front of an audience at the Girl Boss Rally in 2019. Enjoy the conversation with Michelle. Hi guys. We're in the afternoon. It's almost happy hour time. So we're going to have a conversation that's a little bit different from the one we just experienced. Whitney Cummings, that was incredible. I feel like I soaked up every last bit of wisdom and life advice and laughed all the way through. We're going to, talk a little, we're going to take it a step back and we're going to talk a little bit about recharging. We have Michelle Fawn here. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> um, Michelle has millions upon millions of YouTube subscribers. She has built a really successful brand there. And then she's built multiple multi-million dollar businesses, first an Ipsy, a subscription company, and then an M Cosmetics, her most recent venture. And she has advised, she has invested, and she's really had an incredible career already. So what I want to talk about first is what that looks like for you when you're coming out of college and you are starting your YouTube channel, how much of a vision do you have of what's to come? This was in the summer of 2008, and I think the economy was looking really bad. We were actually in a recession, and a lot of my senior friends who graduated, they weren't getting hired. And that freaked me out because I was a junior at this time, and I was contemplating on figuring out what to do because I, had, I accumulated so much student debt loan or student debt, sorry, and um, during a time, like I was, someone told me that when there's like a recession or um, whenever something bad happens to the economy, there's actually a lot of businesses that will form because people are driven to really consider their options at this point, and I felt like I was at this point in my life too, where I had this YouTube channel and I figured, you know, I'm always on this. I spend so much time investing and watching these videos. Why not just start a channel? And maybe I can accumulate some followers, and this could give me an edge on my resume. Because at this time, you couldn't make money on YouTube, but I knew that this was a tool, and this could be the future TV, which we see today it is. Like, everyone's on YouTube. If you want to find any videos, you just look for it on YouTube, right? Um, so when I started that, I just started to build, and I started to make these videos, and it started to catch on, and I started to get lots of viewers, which um, really surprised me because um, I was just doing it out of passion. I wasn't really even trying to do it for money. And I think this is where you see great opportunities can come, is you're not trying to create a product for money, you're actually trying to um, 
bring a solution to a problem. And at this time, there wasn't a lot of makeup tutorials that were readily available in 2007, 2008. You would either have to go to a beauty counter and buy products or um, pay for makeup seminars. Um, and so I saw that there's a gap in this market and maybe if I make these videos, I can fill in this gap. And luckily I made the right, you know, it was luck also, but I made a good investment building my channel. And then I started to make money on YouTube because YouTube offered AdSense where you get split revenue with YouTube. And that was how I was able to, to um, invest more time into building my channel. And so much of that success, it sounds like, obviously is the hard work and the content you created, but you were also doing the right thing at the right time. You were ahead of the curve. You built an audience before they were ready to pay for what you were doing. Did you have some kind of foresight? Because that's sort of a running theme in your career, right? Like you thought about subscription businesses with Ipsy before people were really building those mm -hmm. kinds of businesses. Yeah, I, I always like to put myself in the shoes of a consumer. Um, a good entrepreneur is someone who is really good at um, identifying market gaps. Um, or also like Steve Jobs is a great example. Um, he designed beautiful um, products for Apple because he also had beautiful things. Like he would have Leica cameras and he would drive a Mercedes SLS, I think. Like he just had really good taste. And you want to put yourself in the shoes of a consumer. And so with my YouTube channel, I put myself in the shoes of a consumer. I want to watch makeup tutorials. Well, let me just make some. Um, and with Ipsy, subscription at this time was, I started that company in 2011. And at the height of a trendy um, business model, it was flash sales. So I don't know if you guys remember like um, Hotlook or Guilt.com. Do you guys remember flash sales at all? And it was like the fear of FOMO. Like we're gonna, we're gonna make money off of like FOMO. Um, and that was popular at that time, but I was trying to identify what's gonna be the next thing after this. And subscription made a lot of sense because um, you just, if you really like something, whether it's shows and movies like Netflix, or in this case, if you love beauty, you can um, subscribe to an experience that's personalized for you. So we brought it to investors. They loved the idea. They gave us $2.6 million. So we didn't really have a lot to start with, but we didn't need it because we had built-in marketing because I invested in YouTube. So see, like you start, you have to kind of, besides just being a good, um, if you want to be a good entrepreneur, instead of just being a good consumer, you also have to like see ahead of the curve. And I think that has a lot to do with instinct, if that makes sense. That does make sense. Um, how did you think about making that transition practically, right? Because I have to imagine you're, you think to yourself, okay, great, I have this audience. I'm going to build a business. I have this idea. You go out, you fundraise. You're moving beyond one concept of Michelle into the next thing. But I imagine there are probably some people in those boardrooms who are like, you're just a YouTube star. Like, what do you know about running a business? How did you deal with that? Yeah, I had that a lot at <laughs> the beginning. Um, and I was so scared because I was only 19, 20. I didn't really know anything. Um, and I didn't go to business school. I went to art school. I wanted to be a concept artist for video games. That was really my passion. And I was $16,000 in debt, didn't know what to do. Thankfully, YouTube was there. And the first thing I paid off, the, um, and this, this is great because I think it's really important. I, I agree. Like, I hear this a lot in the, the speeches here. Like, you want to spend, you don't want to just buy expensive shoes. Like, pay off all your debt if you can. And that was the first thing I paid for when I got my Google check was, I'm going to pay off my entire debt. And immediately after that, I felt so free. But then I was thrown into this world of 
of business, which I didn't know anymore. Like, I'm no longer a student, but I am in a way. I'm a student in this real world, if that makes sense. Yeah, so how did you learn? Were you Googling everything? Were you talking to experts? I was um, learning a lot in boardrooms. Whenever I would hear someone say something, I would just observe, take it in, and I would go home and, and research, what did that person say? What does this mean? Like, minimum quantity orders, like, what is that? And just researching, because it's the internet. Everything is there. You just have to know what to search. And in a way, you also have to be curious, too. And I wanted to know, like, what they were saying, because I knew the more I knew, then um, I, it, in a way, knowledge is strength. It's power. I felt more powerful when I had all this knowledge. And how did you sort of distinguish bad information from good information, right? There's so much on the internet. Yes. I guess it comes with experience. You know, you have to try it and be open to failing. Um, it's true. There is a lot, in the age of information, there is a lot of misinformation. Um, and it's really hard to figure out, well, what's, what's the right thing to do? And I think a lot of it boils down, the good decisions I made in life, it boils down to um, trusting in my intuition, but also my logic, too. Like, I don't believe in only trusting in your heart. Like, you also have to be rational about it and finding a balance between the two. Yeah. So then you build an amazing business with Ipsy. You're learning as you go. You're becoming an expert, and you eventually exit. And how do you get into your next business? Yeah, so this is another thing you're going to learn as you guys are looking into building your businesses is either you have to think of an exit. It's either going to be a business you're going to keep forever, like Heinz Ketchup. We're probably going to eat it for another 100 years. McDonald's, um, like legacy businesses. Um, or um, you want to go public with your company because it's so big and people support it, and you want the public to also be part of investing in your company. Or three, having someone buy out your company, like a merger acquisition. And this is really important because oftentimes when you don't have this on your timeline, you're kind of this hamster running in this wheel, which not, it's not necessarily bad. I think, I think exits aren't always needed for everyone. Like some people are totally fine having a family-owned business that, you know, they make a million, two million, ten million a year. It's fine. They're happy with that. Um, but if you want to continue building the next thing, like Elon Musk with pay PayPal, PayPal Mafia, Peter Thiel also in, was part of the PayPal Mafia. And you start seeing like, wow, these people built mega companies and they were able to get bought out and then they took that money to invest it in something new. So in a way, someone in this, in this room might be the next Elon Musk. I mean, um, think about your exit, which is really important. And thankfully for me, I had my exit with Ipsy and that gave me time to, and we can segue into this part, yeah. recharge and rest. Yeah, so let's talk about that for a second because you were going, going, going with YouTube. And with YouTube, there's, you don't get a break, you don't get vacations, right? No. <laughs> you just post it's not every day. Stop. It's, I mean, if, if you guys are casually posting on social media for fun, imagine doing that for a living every day and you have to think at least a month ahead with all the content that you're planning. So it is a lot because you are your own editor, producer, talent in some cases. Um, but it's so much work, and it is extremely draining after a few years. And you see the burnout rate is really high now because we are living in this generation of people who are connected and glued to their phone, and they are hungry for more content, and they just want more. And we're seeing the quality is down, the quantity is up, but people are getting very fatigued. Like, we're seeing that everyone's getting fatigued. They just want quality information. They want to know if something is good. And so this is a great time to start identifying these market gaps as you know, we're talking about this. 
So you do burn out a little bit. Yeah, complete burnout. Um, but thankfully for me, because I made the right investments in building a company and having my YouTube channel, I could take a break. Yeah. A lot of my other um, YouTuber colleagues, they still have to film. And they love their job, don't get me wrong. I think being a YouTuber was one of the best jobs I ever had in my life. It was so fun because I would just have my camera and I would think about, okay, what, what, what video do I make? And just make it. But after doing it for a few years, it's extremely stressful because the appetite and your channel is growing. And so you feel like you're competing against yourself, if that makes sense. And that's when it gets really dangerous is because you're trying to compete against yourself and also stay relevant in a space where people's attention span is so short. And this is why burnout rate is really high. So um, a lot of YouTubers now, they're also struggling because as you guys can see in Europe, Article 13 with copyright laws, it's getting more strict and strict, for, and there's a lot of takedowns and demonetization. So this is also really important as you're doing your business to be in tune with what laws are being passed around the world, especially with the internet, because businesses can start, and then eventually the laws will catch up, <laughs> and they'll start sanctioning everything, like Airbnb, for example, they're getting a lot of trouble, um, Uber, Lyft, I mean, everything, eventually when you grow it that big. So something to think about. So what did you do? You have the luxury of taking a break. What did that look like? How do you just walk away from your fans? Um, I didn't walk away from my fans. I, I made, it took me a few months to make my, uh, my hiatus video. Um, and it was hard to, because imagine, imagine creating content for 10 years. It's like touring for 10 years straight, and that's all you do is you just tour. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm going to take a break, but I'm not going to say bye. It's going to be, I'll be back. I just need to take a break. And it was a very personal video. So it wasn't a hard goodbye. It was, I'll be back. I just need to go and travel and find myself. And that's what I did. I, I traveled. And what was that experience like? What did you learn from that time, sort of traveling around the world? Traveling gives you something that I guess money can buy, because you, know, you could pay for your <laughs> tickets and hotels. Yeah. I mean, money buys this. But it gives you perspective. And I think that's so important. It's not just the experience, it's perspective. You see how other people live around the world. Um, sometimes they live with very little, but you see how much happier they are, too. And gaining all these different perspectives and touching all these different cultures and trying all these new foods and smelling all these sounds and hearing all these beautiful languages, you just realize you're part of this beautiful world. And, and it just makes you feel more. Um, centered, if that makes sense. Like sometimes we get so lost and caught up in our little lives, and then just a little bit of perspective can completely change and give you that aha moment. Um, even as an entrepreneur, um, when I was building um, Ipsy, the subscription company, I didn't get this idea out of nowhere. It was actually something that I came upon during my travels. I was in Thailand in 2008, or 2009, sorry, and I saw a bunch of women, um, they were crowding this little kiosk at this mall, and they were buying um, small beauty samples, but expensive brands like La Mer, Lancome, but tiny little samples, they were buying it. And I, I was asking them, like, why are they buying these samples? Why don't they just buy the full size? And um, my colleague was telling, my friend was telling me, oh, it's because here in Thailand, if you buy any beauty product in any store, um, you can't return it. So in America, we're so lucky because you can use half of the bottle and you come back to the store and be like, hey, I, um, I didn't like this. Uh, can I get my money back? And you get full refund. But in Asia, or in Thailand specifically, the moment you buy it, you come back, they, even if it's unopened, final sale. 
Um, and so that's why a lot of uh, sampling did really well over there. People would pay for these samples. So that idea, I, I liked it, but at that time I was poor. Uh, it was, I was still in college, but I was traveling a little bit too, and I didn't have enough money to run a business or anything. But I tucked that idea in the back of my head, and I just waited for the right time. And so when you re-entered, right, eventually mm -hmm. you stop traveling, your hiatus ends, you go back to work. What did you sort of retain from that time away that you employed so you didn't get back to a place of burnout? I think after all that traveling, I, I just gained clarity. I realized for the longest time, like we, we look at our lives, right? And I looked at my own life too. Like I grew up with my certain childhood. You go to school, institutionalized schools, so you're kind of taught to think a certain way. And all these ideologies that are displaced on us by our parents and, you know, um, teachers, and then also universities, you, you know, you learn certain things and this is how you see the world. And then boom, the moment you travel, you realize, wait, the world doesn't just work according to what I was told. There's so, it's so much more complex. And that just gave me a lot of peace because I realized, well, I don't have to make certain choices that everyone's telling me to. I can think differently and just follow my instinct and intuition. So that was a very um, important piece for my traveling was just gaining this clarity. Do you love the idea of cooking, but just don't have time? Do you dream about whipping up a delicious meal and realize you don't have the right ingredients? Check out Mealime, the easy solution to healthy home-cooked meals. Mealime is a new app that makes meal planning so easy, you'll wave meal kits goodbye. This meal planning app is different than the rest. Here's how it works. First, choose your recipes on Mealime's app, then they automatically build you a grocery list with the exact ingredients for those recipes. You can also order groceries straight from the app, plus no extra packaging. Mealime takes all the hassle out of planning and making delicious, healthy meals at home. Mealime is now offering Girlboss listeners 50% off their pro subscription. Just visit mealime.com slash girlboss. That's M-E-A-L-I-M-E dot -E com slash girlboss. Or find the link in our show notes. You're welcome. You talk a lot about instinct and intuition, but you also are you're make, making decisions in an interesting way. And I'm curious how much of the decisions you make specifically as an investor are based on gut instinct versus like deep diligence. Um, I mean, it is a little bit of both. It's your gut, like your heart, it feels right. And then also logically, it feels right too. I, I can't even begin to tell you how many businesses I get from people who, who tell me, Michelle, I want to create the, um, the Twitch of makeup tutorials. It's like, no, I mean, that's a cool idea, but it's not going to do that well because people would just go on Twitch. There's, so there's a lot of really good ideas, but either wrong timing or the market size is not that big um, for them to raise you know, a lot of money, of course. Um, and what I've learned, because I've done a lot of businesses, a lot of them have failed but I had a lot of successes too, so I am net positive in a sense. Um, and that's something that you're gonna also learn along this path too, is you're gonna fail a lot, but these failures are, uh, imagine it like a compass. These failures are a compass, because if you're just going in one direction and you're lost, then maybe you shouldn't go in that direction, and failure kind of helps you pivot and move into another direction. And in a sense, a lot of these failures that I learned, I started to notice what were the, the key things that made things successful. And it was always an idea that resonated with both my intellect and my emotional side. Um, scientists, I think like a few years ago, they found um, similar cells, like neuron cells in our heart, um, and it's similar to the brain. And so the heart and the brain are actually connected, but they both 
think differently. So the brain thinks rationally, and the heart thinks, feels. It, it's it's um, articulate, if that makes sense. So the heart is actually feeling and sensing. So that it is a way of thinking, and the brain is more logical. Um, and this is why it's so important, and what I've learned in my, um, in my path, is to not make a decision so emotionally, but not also make it too logically, too, because you need to have empathy. You're, you're working with people who have lives, you know, and so it's really important to have a strong sense of empathy, too, emotional intelligence. I love how holistic that is. It's so easy. I think a lot of people, let's say, like, the traditionally male sense of decision-making is, like, you got to use your brain. Everything else is sort of useless or mm -hmm. not worth valuing as much. Right. This feels really different. Yeah, it's balance. It's like, you know, like yin and yang. Yeah. Um, going back to the idea of resting a little bit, we actually have a question from our community, from Zoe Waters, uh, who wants to know, what are the best and worst ways to relax and recharge from working now in your daily life? I think some of the worst ways, we can start off there, is to think you have to do yoga or meditate or follow what everyone says you have to do. Um, everyone is different. Some people, they relax differently. They, they, they relax when they're walking or, um, or if they're in water, like sensory deprivation tanks or whatever, um, or they rest by napping. Everyone is different, and I think it's important just to explore all avenues because the whole point of resting and meditation is to get your, your mind in, um, in an alpha state. So right now, all of you guys, and me included, we're in beta right now. Our brainwave is in beta stage, and so we're able to adapt. We're very aware, so we're not in rest mode at all. Um, when you are sleeping, you're in delta mode, and that's when you're sleeping, you're good. When you're kind of trying to go to sleep, that's in theta. The very important one is alpha. So alpha is when you're zen. This is a great time to learn new languages or learn. Like if you want to study, you want to get into an alpha mode because your brain can just absorb things because you're so calm and you're not having to deal with reacting and, and being alert all the time. Um, so whatever gets you in this alpha state, that's your your road to meditation, if that makes sense. So you don't, because I tried doing meditation, like I tried it all. The app. I, I'm too, I'm a fire sign, I'm Aries, so I have to do things. I have to like, how I get into a meditative mode is I, I, I need to work. I know it sounds crazy, but I have to make something. I have to, like recently I, I'm learning how to make music, so I'm just making music and just trying out new things. And this is how I'm getting in this alpha state. So I think it's really important to just explore that. What are you, pl are you playing an instrument or what are you doing? No, I'm just um, making beats on the computer. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do want to go back. We're going to open it up to questions for the audience in a minute. So you guys know the draw lineup at the microphones, which I can't always see, but we know they're there. Um, and we'll try to get to as many of you as possible. Um, but you have built such a strong personal brand, right? Millions upon millions of YouTube followers, and that's one brand, but then you actually did transition from that brand to Michelle the Entrepreneur, and that's a different brand. How intentional is it, this approach that you've taken from moving from one thing to the next? It was really important because I, we live in a, in a label-driven society, if that makes sense. People will label you, um, they label you because they're trying to understand you. Like, what are you? I need to categorize you so I know what you are. Um, and in this case, that happened a lot to me in the business world. People would see me as, well, uh, first I was young. Uh, I'm a woman. Um, and also, um, I'm a YouTuber. That's how they saw me. So all these labels, I'm young, I'm a woman, I'm a YouTuber. What does she know? She doesn't know anything about business. Um, but in a sense, that actually played in my favor because 
uh, oftentimes I was, it's actually good for people to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Underestimate you? Underestimate you, exactly, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when they underestimate you, they have no idea. They're just, you're kind of like just crouching like, like that. And then you um, can really surprise them. Yeah, yeah, and then just mind blow them like the moment you do something. Um, so it's always good to, because I know some people say, oh, you want to fake it till you make it. I'm like, no. <laughs> you want people to underestimate you. Yeah. That's, that's the golden rule that I've seen. Yeah. yeah. So they're underestimating you, but how, there is a moment probably where they stop underestimating you, right? Like you build one successful business, you move on to the next sure, one. Yeah. How, like, is it like an intentional PR moment where you're like, we need to start doing this kind of press? Yeah. Actually, and, and you guys are so lucky because you have all of these different platforms that you can use to build your online presence. Like I started, there was just YouTube and MySpace yeah. and Twitter was just coming out at this time, but now there's Instagram and there's like so many other platforms. Um, and this gives you the power to um, be in control of your online narrative, if that makes sense, your on, your, how people perceive you. In my case, um, because I was in, in, my intention was I wanted to raise money for one of my companies. So I need old money to see that I am an entrepreneur, not just a YouTuber. And this is when I approached my PR team and I said, hey, can you help me, can you, can you help me get on a few magazine covers and talking to a few different press outlets, business specifically. Um, so that way it starts building up this credibility and it changes the perception of how people see me. And honestly, like, I don't really care about labels. Like, I, I, I never did, I never cared. But when it comes to certain aspects, like you want to raise money, that's when you should care because that's how people see you. They open the newspaper, they go online, they see Wall Street, they're going to read, they're going to see you on there and they're, they're going to be interested. And the moment I started to push harder on changing my narrative from being labeled as a YouTuber to being an entrepreneur, um, everything, doors and opportunities were opening up. So that was a good strategy that I had. Had I not done that, I don't think I could have gotten this far. That's really smart. Sometimes you just have to play their game, right? You do, yeah. You just have to know. Like, you, it's all about choosing your battles. Can't always just do it your way, you know? Underestimate. People <laughs> underestimate you. I love that. I know you guys have so many questions. Let's start over here. Hi. Um, I first just want to say you taught me how to apply makeup, and I love you so, <laughs> so much. Aww. So I, <laughs> so I graduate college in a year. I'm in public relations <laughs> in the beauty industry, to be specific. And I've heard so much varying advice of everything that I, I should do starting my career but I was wondering if you had any advice on what I shouldn't do, things to avoid, and just how to be overall successful. I, one of the biggest things that I've learned, I, I didn't go into the world of PR, but I do know a lot of people who do work in beauty PR, just any PR in general, is always treat people with respect because the industry is so small, and if you're acting out or if you're, again, making a very emotional um, or super too logical, a non-balanced decision, and it's a, it starts a ripple effect on your reputation. So the biggest thing that I've seen and I've learned too is just to always treat people with respect because you should. Because you, if you want to be treated with respect, then you should also treat people the way you want to be treated. Um, that was the biggest thing. And two, um, if you are working PR in this world, um, be, be kind to 
a lot of these beauty creators because they do talk amongst each other. So if there's like a PR person that's not cool, like they will all tell each other. I'm just being real, super real with you on that part. Um, just be cool. Um, so, some things that I saw that it kind of struck me a core that I didn't really like was um, certain PR people, they try and be your best friend. So they'll get your number and they'll start DMing you and texting you. It's like, wait, you're my best friend, but you're trying to slip in these free deals. Like, you gotta know how to draw those boundaries. And that doesn't necessarily mean you can't be friends with them. I think it's really important just to know the boundaries to draw. Like, this is the professional me and this is, this is like the work me. Um, those are my three advices. Thank you. Let's go over here. Hi, Michelle. I am Priscilla, and I wanted to ask you, I saw that you were, I was reading that you were kind of trying to leverage or dabble in blockchain technologies to make a better infrastructure or something for the future creators, because I understand you kind of, like you mentioned, you were starting out with YouTube and Twitter was kind of coming up, and you just were able to build upon that. So in my opinion, I believe that all these platforms are pretty saturated to their own extent. So I understand you kind of have you kind of have infrastructures that you're trying to dabble in, so I'm curious if you would, wouldn't mind sharing what that looks like for the future creators in this room. Sure. I have a crypto fund where I invest in uh, different uh, cryptocurrencies and also in businesses that are built on blockchain, like smart contracts. Um, we see now, again, I'm bringing back Article 13 and Article 17 because that is just the beginning. The laws are now catching up to internet businesses, online businesses, um, online platforms like YouTube are now gonna be liable for anything copyrighted. So they see anything now, there's no forgiveness, like demonetization, everything gets taken down. So in a way, um, it's the antithesis of what the internet is because the internet is supposed to be this open, open world for people to share whatever ideas that they have. Um, and if you are getting a lot of views, like you should be able to get money regardless of like copyright issues and all that, of course, that's also a very um, hard topic to bring in because they're also written under old laws, if that makes sense. And so blockchain brings in, and not just blockchain, just we're seeing now that people want decentralization. They want decentralization in um, money with Bitcoin. They want decentralization in the work environment. People want to be their own business owners now. People, because the future is niche, it makes a lot of sense, and so that's why we are moving towards this hyper-niche, decentralized world where we want to be able to have the freedom and access to trade and exchange with each other, whether it's content, products, money, um, whatever services you have. And so this is why um, also like, I was able to learn all this because I took the time to travel. I, I would be on a plane and I would go to like, the Netherlands and I see like, everyone's, everyone's into the crypto. In South Korea, everyone is into this. Um, I should start learning more and getting more serious about this. Um, also, a very interesting um, industry to look into. We're talking about market, market gaps and all of that. But we are very, um, blockchain technology is not going to get mass adoption for another few years, but it's good now to start at least building the foundation, which is something that I'm investing in. And people who are also looking into building it, those are the people I'm looking into investing into, too. Let me take one last question. Hi, I'm Emma. Um, I'm from Minneapolis, so I, I like how you're saying about traveling to get perspective. Um, but kind of to do with perspective, um, when you're, you get all these new ideas, you, it's like, how do you manage yourself? <laughs> like you, you said, like, you like to get things done. You like to do things. How do you stay on track without there's a shiny thing, there's another shiny mm -hmm. idea, here's a shiny idea. Um, have you always had kind of like, this is what I'm after? 
or like any type of guide in that perspective? You know what helped me, and maybe you guys might laugh, but it's okay, astrology. Astrology, yes, thank yeah. you. You know, Plato, Plato also studied astrology, Aristotle, all of them, Alexander the Great consulted an astrologist before he took over a country. It's, it, is, it is not just hocus pocus, it is math. There's math to this, but it's down to like the energy waves. Of the, anyways, that's another topic. Maybe next girl boss. <laughs> I'll do something astrology related, but astrology helped me so much because I had no idea why I was crazy. I'm crazy as in, I told you guys, my meditative zone is when I'm, I need to work. And, I re- and when I started to learn about my stars and my signs, it made so much sense because I have so much fire signs. I have like five fire signs in me and like I have Virgo. This is why I'm so meticulous and crazy. And so learning all of that, I realized, wait, okay, at least I know this. I'm not being controlled by this because now I'm aware of this, so I can check myself. So in a, in, in, in a certain case, one of my friends, she's like a triple Taurus, so love her, very loyal, but dude, so lazy, like, so lazy, <laughs> so lazy, and also, like, just does not get things done on time. And so that helped me. And At first, I didn't know. I was kind of getting annoyed, but, you know, it's friendship. Like, you want to make it work, but you want to understand, too. So when I read her stars... That was when I knew, okay, I'm going to like let her know the deadline is like much, much earlier when it's actually on this time, or we have to go to a party, it's at 8 o'clock, but the party is actually at 7, you know? <laughs> and I was able to help accommodate that because I was aware. And then she started to know my sign, and she started to get interested in astrology, so she was aware of, you know, yeah, she can be lazy too, and I know I can be a little crazy, and it's all about finding that balance. And so what really, truly helped me was astrology. Um, and if you find in your sign that you tend to be a little more, um, you, you like, you go after the shiny objects because maybe you have a lot of air signs in you and you just get excited really easily, then you know and you're aware and you start building towards um, creating like disclaimers, if that makes sense, like having like alerts on your phone, um, having a really good calendar that has like timelines and everything on it. You have to put more extra work into that, but then you'll notice that you're actually going to grow and evolve because me being a fire sign, I was also very similar to where I got excited with a lot of shiny objects too. And it wasn't until I really understood my signs and what I was, um, now I take a moment and I step back, which is not my personality. Like I normally just go straight in, I charge, fearless. But now I take a moment because I know I'm going to go straight in. I should take a moment to like observe and really think about this before making a decision. So astrology really helped me. Um, and it's fun. It's just fun to learn. Yeah. yeah. Management by Zodiac. Amazing. Michelle, thank you so much. This has been so fun. Thank you all. Thank you, guys. We hope Michelle's entrepreneurial spirit inspires you to make your own mark. Keep up with Michelle on Instagram at Michelle Fan. Share your love for Girlboss Radio in this episode on Instagram, Insta Stories, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. And as always, be sure to leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to sign up for our new daily email, The Girl Boss Daily. We leave you with this chase and reach your dreams. Mm-hmm.